Do that more often. More people should wear boots with their suits. <laughs> Just because it rhymes. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a true story. Scout's honor. Cross my heart. Whatever else I have to say to make you understand. This really, really happened. Okay. It happened to me. Some of the people out there have heard it before, but some of them haven't heard it before. When I lived back in Texas, in my yard I had five great big pecan trees. And every year when they dropped their pecans, I would pick up the pecans and I would save some for me, not very many, because they don't like to sit around and get them out of the shells. And the rest I would take over to a place called Stukesbury, yeah. and they would buy them. And I could make a little money, like a farmer. How cool. Mm -hmm. One year we had worms, yeah. called web worms. And they put somebody knows. Ooh. And they're they're bad things. They can kill a tree because they eat all its leaves if you don't stop them. So I got this stuff that if you spray on the trees, it stops the webworms. And I got it early in the spring, so they hadn't eaten very much. And I got it this deal and plugged it onto my water hose. And then I was outside and I was spraying the trees. And this thing, it was so cool. It would reach like the top of this room. It was really a good sprayer. I don't know what happened to it, but it was a great sprayer. And so I was spraying one of the trees and getting it all good and wet with the right stuff. And all of a sudden, something fell out of the tree. And I looked at it and I thought, that can't be what I thought it was. There's got to be something else. So what I walked. What did you think it was? What did I, I'm going to tell you because it turned out it was what I thought it was. I walked over to the bottom of the tree and looked, and it was a fish about this big. Fell out of my pecan tree. A fish. And I thought, well, that's really weird. It's supposed to grow pecans, not perch. <laughs> so I went back. I thought, I'm not going to worry about it. I went back and I sprayed and sprayed and sprayed some more. And all of a sudden, and I went over and looked. Another fish. It was another fish. I don't know where they came from. Did you know that trees can grow fish? Maybe they, snuck, maybe they snuck out of your pond that was by your house and they went into the water hose. Well, that's close to what I was thinking. I lived not very far from a river, and I thought maybe a bird had caught fish to eat and put them up in the tree, and then I knocked them out with the water hose. But I was thinking, I looked at them, and they didn't have any claw marks like birds had picked them up and carried them. So I think maybe they were just migrating. <laughs> it means they moved from one place to another place because it's better. So I think they were migrating maybe to South Texas or something where it was warmer. I don't know. But the point of that story, and it's a true story. Do what? By walking on their fence. Yeah. When what I was, go ahead. They probably couldn't breathe, so they that's one yeah, thing. 
I don't think they could breathe. They weren't flopping around or anything, but they weren't old. They were still bendy and fresh and everything. I don't know. But the important thing is that can God do anything God wants to do? Yes. Yes. God can. There's nothing God can't do. So, if God wanted those fish to be in my tree, they were going to be in my tree no matter what. Now, did they grow in that tree? No. Probably not. But let's agree on something. God could make a pecan tree grow perch if he wanted to. What do you think? If God can do everything, God could make a pecan tree grow perch. What's perch? Perch is the fish. It's about this big. You can eat them, but it takes a whole bunch. So remember this. Anytime you think or you hear somebody say, there's things that God can't do. Like when I was a little kid, they would tell me, God can't lie. Well, actually, God can lie. <laughs> Hang on, let me let me finish. Let me finish, because I'm gonna give, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the punchline right here. God can lie, but God never does. Oh, he can lie, but he never does. You got it. God can. He told us that. The promise of he was never going to flood the whole earth for forty days again was the rainbow. Right. He he can't lie. He can lie, but he did it. He sure doesn't. It's not what God does, and God doesn't want us to lie either. And so I promise you that was a true story. Um, it's weird, but it's true. Um, so you did not lie. I did not lie. I promise. Scouts honor and everything. Let's pray. We thank you, God, for all the lessons you give us. We thank you that even though you can do anything you want, there are some things you just refuse to do because it's not like you to do them. And so we ask that everybody in the whole world could know who you are and know that you never, ever lie. And please give us liberty and justice for all. Amen. That last bit was for a reason that we may tell you something else. first scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 through 26, and verses 31 through 33. Listen to God's word. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. 
It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. For the Lord will not reject forever. Although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. Our gospel reading this morning is from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 5 through 7. Listen again to what God says. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. May God bless this reading of the word and to our Lord be all glory and honor forever. Amen. When I was in graduate school uh, for psychology, we learned intellectual assessment. And if that worries you a little bit, because I'm a psychologist, that people always go, I wonder if he's analyzing us. I wonder if he's analyzing us. I did that a long time ago. I know everything there is to know about you. One of the measures we were learning was a thing called the Wechsler Adult Intelligence Scale. We called it the WACE. It's just like being a Presbyterian. There are acronyms for everything. There were some problems with the test, though. There's a questions, there's a section that's questions, just simple questions to see what, how much basic knowledge people have. And one of the questions was, if you are lost in the woods, what do you do? The, huh? See, you've been here before. <laughs> The, the correct answer, according to the test, was look for moss on the north side of the tree, and then you'll know what direction to go. When the correct answer, anybody who's been a Boy Scout, including me, missed that question. Because the real rule is you sit still so people can find you. If you're out moving around, it's a little bit hard for them to locate where you are. But if you told somebody where you're going and when you plan to be back, they'll know when to panic and when to look, where to look for you. Plus, think about it. What if you get lost in the desert outside Phoenix? There's no moss in the desert outside Phoenix. There's barely any here sometimes. I was reading an article about salvation in... Let me see if I can get this title right. The Religious and Demographic Profile of Presbyterians. They asked some questions, they got some answers, and they stuck the answers together. They asked a question like this. This is how all the questions went. Only followers of Jesus can be saved. Agree or disagree? Okay. They're limiting the answers so they don't have to chase a bunch of variables and unknowns. The problem is 
they're asking the wrong question because they're not considering who they're asking. They're asking Presbyterians, and we all know if you put eight Presbyterians in the room and ask them one question, you're going to get 162 answers. <laughs> but 36% disagreed with that statement, said, no, only followers of Jesus can be saved is not true. Well, Perry Chang, the guy who conducted and put all the numbers together, said, there's a 36% is a large universalist streak within the Presbyterian church. There's a large group of people who believe everybody's going to heaven. The problem is, he was wrong. He reached an invalid conclusion. Ask a minister of the PCUSA who knows, who actually does know our theology, if only Jesus can get you to heaven. And the minister is going to go, well, it's not quite as simple as that. And it really isn't. The problem in the question is the word can. Only followers of Jesus can be saved. Can God make a perch grow in a pecan tree? There you go, you were listening. Yes, can is a problem in the question. He's asking the wrong question. Who saves us? Come on, you're supposed to know this one. God, through free grace, God saves us. Who can God save? Anyone it pleases God to save. That's called God's sovereignty. If it pleases God, God can do it, will do it, always has been able to do it. If it doesn't please God, God won't do it, like lying. The question implies that God can only save followers of Jesus. Is that true? Remember, God can only save followers of Jesus. No, God can save anyone God wants to save. So if you're out there telling people, well, they're not saved, they can't go to heaven, you're committing blasphemy. You're taking upon yourself the authority that is reserved only to God. So when somebody asks you, are you saved? I don't know. I'm Presbyterian. We don't, that's not how our theology works. Okay. Besides Presbyterians, we don't believe that we can be saved. We believe we are saved. The question was all wrong, and it gave him the wrong impression of Presbyterians. Baylor University did this really cool survey one time. Uh, the question, one of the questions was, many religions lead to salvation, agree or disagree. I really detest questionnaires that give you two options. <coughs> It's way too limited. When I first came here to uh, meet the congregation, we had a big ice cream social. It was, I don't know, August, I think. 
We had a big ice cream social, and this was when the whole gay and lesbian ordination controversy was going on. And a person, I won't name his name, he is deceased and has gone on to his glory, came and asked me, do you believe an avowed homosexual should be ordained? And I said, well, it's not that simple. And he said, no, hush. I ask you a simple question, yes, no question, and you want to discuss it. I said, well, I am Presbyterian. <laughs> we do that. We discuss things. The, another question they had. My religion is the one true faith that leads to salvation. Agree or disagree? If you ask these questions of somebody who is a member of the Reformed faith, who knows the theology, that, you're going to get a weird answer. What's the problem with the question? Reformed theology does not believe that religion leads to salvation. Religion does not save us. God saves us. In all these polls uh, re about religion, they don't really say what pollsters claim they say. Because the pollsters don't know what questions to ask. Have you all stopped beating your children? <laughs> How are you supposed to answer that? Yes or no? <laughs> well, could you clarify that? No. Just answer the question. There's another wrong conclusion by pollsters. They believe that the hope for non-Christians is that we agree with others' views and beliefs, that we all agree on the same thing. Therefore, if the Presbyterians believe it, everybody else must too. And that's also not true. That's not even true between all of us. We all have ideas about what is and isn't true. We don't all believe the same things. We believe there are things that are part of God's plan that we know nothing about. Because God has not told us. And I kind of suspect sometimes that God doesn't plan to. In John, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the disciples are worried about how do we know how do we know where to go because we don't know where you're going and Jesus looks at him and says basically if you aren't where you were going you're not there yet think about that he gives them the same kind of Jesus answer he always gave their questions it seems like how do we know where we're, we don't even know where you're going, and Jesus, how do we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. Well, that's helpful. <laughs> it's not just that Jesus tells the truth, it's that Jesus is the truth. It's up to us to wrestle with those questions and expand into the faith that God has blessed us with. I am the life. You want life? Follow me. Do what I do. 
say what I say, believe what I'm telling you is true. He's saying every time, I am, I am, I am. How many times have we heard that? Where else? Yeah. Well, when Moses said, what, a, what name do I tell him? Pharaoh won't believe me. And God said, tell him I am. What is Jesus saying? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus is implying that he is I am. That he is, in fact, God. He doesn't say it outright. But we are not saved as a people by a principle or a force or a belief system. We are saved by a person, Jesus. And no one comes to the Father except through me. The problem there is that in Greek it can be taken two ways. It can be in English too. We just don't often notice it because we've always been taught that it only means one thing. Think about this. The, the traditional interpretation is that people who don't believe in Jesus are not saved and people who do believe in Jesus are saved. That's tradition, is it not? It's what we've heard a whole bunch of. But the non-traditional can also be true. I submit this to you. It can also mean anyone who comes to the Father, whether they know it or not, was led by me. Oops. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What do we do with all of that? Well, it could be that anyone who finds God finds God through Jesus, and they don't need to know that that's how it happened. How does God reveal God's self to us? Depends on who you are. God does not reveal God's will to me in Swedish. God reveals it in English. Have you ever seen God at work in non-Christians? Non-Christians doing the gospel. Yes. And in scripture, God uses pagans as instruments of his own will and blesses them with power and prosperity. Or is God at work only in and through us, true believers? I've actually heard it said before that God can only work through believers. The question is not can non-Christians be saved. The question, the only question we can ask is will non-Christians be saved? And on that score, scripture is dead silent. Remember when Jesus said God's going to separate the goats from the sheep? The sheep apparently being good and goats being bad, although I would argue the other way. I hate sheep. Who's he talking to? His own followers, the people who already know what he's teaching and the people who will know when he's done. Is he talking to the whole world? Not at that particular point in time. Too often 
when we don't know an answer, we create an answer that does not exist. I will tell you this. Is, God the only, is Christ the only way for me to get to God? Yes. For me. That's what I know. For you? You're believers, aren't you? I mean, why would... I mean, you're here. If you are believers, then God has spoken to you through Jesus Christ. Does that mean that God cannot speak to anyone else any other way? No. I choose to follow Jesus because I believe that's where the truth lies. Not always easy to know, but it's there. In surveys, you're faced with two options. Everyone can go to heaven or no one can go to heaven unless they're Christians. You can even expand it to strongly agree, agree, disagree, strongly disagree. Pick one. I don't know how they measure the difference. But you can find ways to measure and assess belief, doctrine, and theology, but you can't measure faith. And you cannot find a way to assess or measure God. I am who I am, God tells Moses. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus tells us. God has spoken to us, to us. And so our way to God is through Jesus Christ. Because for us, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And as for pollsters, just remember that not only do they sometimes not know what they're saying in their conclusions, but a lot of times they don't even ask the right questions. Have you stopped beating your children yet? They don't stop and think about those. And they don't understand the answers they're getting. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful all-knowing, everywhere present at all times. And God's love for creation is steadfast. It never fails. Period. And God will save whomsoever it pleases God to save. And we have no say in the matter. Some of our brothers and sisters might find that hard to swallow. But we're Presbyterian and we understand that salvation is in God's hands alone and no other. Our interpretation of Scripture as regards this mystery, who's saved and who's not, our interpretation, our rationales, our logic, regarding that question are of no account. Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong.